Blog Talk Radio. Gracious, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is in your sphere of this earth realm at this current time that you're hearing my voice. I thank and praise God for another day, another opportunity to connect with you in the airwaves to first and foremost, give God the glory and secondly, just to share share the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pray that you all have that same testimony that, you know, you are graciously praising God because you are yet still in the land of the living. Well, it is a glorious day where I am right now, Um, but I do know in some parts of our country, it is not as pretty as it is here in good old Las Vegas, Nevada. So I would just like to take a moment to kind of lift up um, our, our northern and eastern parts of our country that have been experiencing very severe weather. It is cold, y'all. It is cold, cold, cold. So I'm praying for not just um, the weather, but for those that are less fortunate, that may find themselves out in the elements. And as you know, this can be deadly. Um, so I, I would in, endure you. <laughs> I would encourage you to help um, anybody that you can get out of the elements. Um, and for the, the elderly that may not be able to afford their heat or whatever, be a blessing. Be a blessing. Uh, I just feel impressed to say that, you know, a lot of us take for granted the courtesies that God has afforded us, whatever we can afford to do. That is strictly by the mercies and the grace of God Almighty. I don't care if you did work a job and earn the money. If he didn't grace you with the health and the strength to be able to work that job and earn that money, you would not be able to do that. So please reach out to someone less fortunate than you and give a helping hand. Pay a heating bill. Um, get somebody out of the cold. I know we, we live in a time of intrepidation, I guess I can say, where, you know, you're very, very anxious to, to bring somebody into your home, especially somebody you don't know. And I fully understand that. And I do believe that you must use wisdom um, in all that you do. <laughs> it, it is vitally important that you use wisdom, you know, and don't just do things haphazardly without consulting God and making sure that what it is you desire to do is within his will. I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that you must, you must do that. You must make sure that um, in all you're getting, you get understanding, so to speak, that you make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, that you have consulted the hand of God before you do so. And that is vital. Please hear me on that. That is vital. But in in the interim, once that has been done, if God is leading you to take somebody in, then please know that God will cover you. He will cover you. It, he will not leave you out there uncovered and unprotected, you know, but that's why it is so important to consult him first. Um, I am a person that God has just kind of given me, I guess, the the spirit of hospitality, and I take people into my home. Um, 
I got a house for right now, and this and, and what's right in my house right now is nothing but family. But we have taken people in that we did not even know. Um, but at the leading of God, there have been times where because my house is is normally I have that open door policy. Sometimes you know I have felt like oh, okay I can do this, and God has said no. So that's why I'm saying you know be be mindful, be mindful. Let the Lord lead you. Don't just open your home unless God has led you to do so. Be selective in who you invite into your home. Please use wisdom. Okay, I don't want you to go out there and and do things that, you know, will come back to haunt you in the end. I I never want to encourage you to put yourself in harm's way. But I am saying that if you are led by the Spirit of God, to be a blessing to someone, do that. And again, know that if God leads you in that path and in that direction, he will cover you and he will bless you. Amen. So let's, let's just kind of lift, lift those up. Um, I, I know this is kind of out of the ordinary for the show, but God just placed that in my heart. So, hey, I, I want to be obedient and follow his leading. Heavenly Father, we give you all praise, glory, and honor, and we're so grateful to you. We thank you so very much for your hand of protection, grace, and mercy upon our lives. We thank you, O oh Lord God, that in the midst of all things, you yet care for us, you yet cover us, you are yet there with us, and we are so very grateful to you for that. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us to the degree of protection, to the degree of covering like God just says as the 91st division of Psalms says you know you take us under your wing oh Lord God you keep us safe from hurt harm and danger you said that those things may come fall at our right hand and fall at our left hand but it would not come near us and and that's an incredible promise that you have given us oh Lord God for your hand of protection I'm so grateful for it I'm so grateful for it, and I know my listeners are as well. So, Father, continue to cover us with your grace and your mercy, Lord. Continue to love us unconditionally, O oh Lord God. Continue to be that way in the wilderness for us, O oh Lord God. Continue, Father, hallelujah, to allow us, O oh Lord God, to walk along your pathways, Lord, to walk, Lord God, according to Those that are are elderly or those that are homeless, those that need shelter, those that need a helping hand, oh God, lead us to the one that we can be a help to. Father, we're always coming and we're always asking you for help. But I am stating to those that we can be a blessing to, Father God. Thank you for blessing us with the ability to be a blessing. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, we it. So, and amen. I hope you took that resonate with you, and um, and you will act on it. That's my prayer. Prayer, which leads me into my topic on today. And I'm not sure if my co-host is going to join us. I a little while ago. I haven't heard back from her. I don't know if possibly she's working today or not. Um, things happen, but it. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to go forth. Uh, we did not get a chance to share with you last week because of my pastors celebrating their 34th year of pastorate and 35th year of marriage. What an incredible celebration we had. We had a banquet and they renewed their vows and it was magnificent and I'm saying it and I'm putting it out there because I think that their relationship um, exemplifies what Christ would like to see his church be we are the bride of Christ we have called been called into that kind of a commitment with him that we would commit unto him over and over and over again I, I tell you my pastors literally have renewed their vows probably about five or six times I am so serious every time you turn around my pastor is marrying my pastor <laughs> they are such an, a delightful couple and I remember um, one year he surprised her with um, an impromptu wedding. Um, 
at one of our celebrations, and um, and she was just like she was blown away because she absolutely had no idea he had had their spiritual dad come in to perform the ceremony, and it was so awesome. It was so awesome. It might have been around their 25th anniversary or so, somewhere in there. But it was so awesome because he just he is constantly looking for ways to be a blessing to her. And and I believe that that is the same way our God, our Father, and our husband man looks to be a blessing unto us. It, and, and you know what? It is so, so refreshing where we can sit back and we can exhale and we can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When we can stop our complaining and our moaning and our bickering and our woe is me mentality and say, OMG, God, you have been good to me. Does that mean that we have not walked through some things? Oh, oh, contraire. We have definitely things yet and still. Our God has been good to us. Let me make this personal. My God has been good to me. He has blessed me with 62 years, with two children, eight grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. He has been good to this little orphan girl, okay, because that's how I came into this world, as an orphan, left in an orphanage, okay? But God has been good to me. He's been good to me. I have had many ups and downs, many, okay? I have had those times where I felt leveled to the ground and, and, and it was hard to just lift my head up and, you know, off the bed and off the pillow. I understand walking through heartache. I understand physically, physically feeling my heart hurt from betrayal and and just walking through things that, you know, that was like, oh, my God, this should never be. But even in the midst of all of that, I can sit here, I can tell you categorically, point blank, without reserve, my God has been good to me. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. And I am grateful. I am grateful. And I really believe that if you stop and you look back over your life, you would be able to say the exact same thing, that your God has been good to you in the midst of it all. He's been good to you. He's been gracious unto you. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. Okay, in existence, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere, because anywhere you go, he is, okay, you cannot go anywhere where he is not, so therefore, anything, everything is unto him, he's been great, he has, oh my God, oh my God, anyway, so what I wanted to talk about today um, and I don't even know how I got into that vein, but it's a real vein for me. And it's a real, real vein for me. And I wanted to, my topic today was the state of the church versus the state of our nation. Our nation is in turmoil, people. And now anybody that can't see that or deny that, it, it, uh, let me pray for you because we got some things going on. But guess what? Guess what? In the midst of things going on in our nation, God is showing himself so incredibly mighty to his children. I Let me do this. Let me do this because this is my show today. Um, I can run any however I want. And so we're going to look at the word of God. We're going to just talk about um, the different nuances that's going on between the kingdom and the world um, as I see fit. <laughs> Okay, so just bear with me and roll with me, okay? I wanted to read this as I was praying, God lay impressed upon my heart to just read this. I want to read Psalms 91 to you because we need to embrace Psalms 91 in the midst of the chaotic nation in which we live. Now, on Friday, and, and I know my my show is syndicated, so I normally do not like to give dates and what have you, but 
just for the sake of this broadcast so that you can understand where I'm coming from. Today is January 27, 2019. On Friday, January 25th, excuse me, they, um, President Trump announced uh, a temporary coming together between him and um, our legislative branch of our country, and he was putting it into the shutdown. Temporarily, just, just so you understand, and I believe it was until February 15th. However, just understand 800,000 people that have been working for over a month, because if I'm not mistaken, it was day 32 or 33 of the shutdown, of the government shutdown, which means a month, a month, these people had not received a paycheck. For a month, they were working free. Okay, now, according to the government, they're going to reimburse them for whatever lost wages that they did not collect, but that's going to take some time, too. These people were in a place of default on car notes, on mortgages, on rent. Um, Someone didn't even have money for food. All of these different things that they were walking through, all because somebody wanted to have, um, (laughs) be careful what you say, somebody uh, wanted to show their strength and flex their muscle. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, And these people had to walk through and suffer. And and the same somebody who suffers from delusion, apparently, because he got up there on Friday and said, oh, federal workers didn't complain. They wholeheartedly were behind me and they would have stood with me even if we had went longer. And I'm like, okay, delusion. Now, Please hear me, because I'm always very, very careful what I say about our leaders. I I really am. And and because I I believe the word of God. I believe that God is the one that plucks one up and sets one down and and exalts another. And he has various different reasons for why he does what he did, what he does. I've never forgotten it. He has reminded me in the past that it was him that hardened Pharaoh's heart. He uses whom he wants to in a position that he desires to, to, to bring about his desired end, his desired, um, okay. So I, I'm always conscious that, you know, whether it's something that's done good or bad to be careful what you say, because what's good to one person is bad to someone else and vice versa. But the bottom line is what is it saying to God? What what is his intent in the midst of what's going on? So I'm I'm cautious there. I'm cautious there. But at the same time, I mean, there has definitely been a, a battle of wills, a battle of I want to exert my strength, and some bullying on both sides from the president and from the Congress. Okay, um, one and neither one said they were going to take down. In the interim of them taking their stands, people were suffering. People were suffering. They weren't suffering. They were still getting paid. They still had money. Their mortgage was paid. They had food in their house. But they played with people's lives. Okay? They played with people's lives to prove their point. That's the bottom line. So I want to read Psalms 91 because... We find ourselves in the body of Christ caught up in the midst of these different situations that unfold, and we have to know how to handle it. You know, we are the church. We are the church versus the nation, the world. So we have to know how to handle this, the state of the church versus the state of the nation. How do we handle the turmoil that's in both? Because... Unfortunately, the affairs of the world, of this nation, has crept into the affairs of the church because the church is not handling it properly. Psalms 91. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version, and it reads, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest 
in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is the promise of God unto his children, unto those of us that know him that know his name. Now, the one thing that I always, always love about Psalms 91 is it starts off talking in the personal vernacular, and then it, it goes, it transitions to, let me tell you what's going on, okay? All right? So we, the body of the church, need to get to that place and that stance in God where we can speak to the nation. So that we can be that one that can calm them, that can give them that peace, that can let them know it's going to be okay if they know his name, if they have a relationship with him. Think about it. The first two verses are in the personal vernacular. It, it, it is me personally saying, whoever dwells in the shelter, the shelter of the Most High will, arrest, will rest. In the shadow of the Almighty, I will say, me, me, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That is the body. That is the state of the church, or at least that should be the state of the church. That should be where we're at, that we're not getting all caught up, twisted up, tangled up. And what is happening in the nation to the point that we forget what is happening with our God. We have to keep the mindset and that peace within ourselves, that peace of mind that says to me, no matter what is happening, I don't care who is in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. I don't care who's doing what to whom. My stand, my promise. Is that God is my refuge, my fortress. He is my God, and it is in Him that I trust, not in this country, not in the leaders of this country. God in heaven knows we really need to pray for all of them, all of them, okay? Don't just pray for your favorites or come against and speak against those that you don't love. No, we need to pray for all of them, all leadership starting at the very top, dwindling all the way down to the, the alderman and, and the assemblyman, all of them. They all need our prayers. The judges, the Supreme Court judges, the federal judges, the state judges, the family court judges, they all need our prayers. Why? Because we are supposed to be in a position of knowing our God so well that we're not caught up in what we see, but we know to whom, in whom we believe, and we know that he has given us vision far beyond what the naked eye can see. 
See, he has given us a glimpse into the future, and that glimpse into the future says, I win no matter what. I don't care what the devil is trying to do. I don't care what the government is trying to do. I don't care what my haters are trying to do. I win. Why? Because my God is my refuge, my fortress, in whom I trust. I don't trust in the government. I don't trust, now hear me, I don't trust in the quote-unquote church as a entity. I trust in the spirit of the living God that dwells within me that tells me that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. I trust in that. But I don't trust in the legalism and the organization of that collective quote-unquote people that claim to make up the church that are walking in disarray. They're walking in disobedience to the God. They're coming at each other. They're cursing each other. They're damning each other. They are doing every conceivable thing that is contrary to the word of God and how God told us that we should function and act and then claiming to be children of the most high God. That's a problem. (laughs) That's a real big problem. So again, Psalms 91, he, whoever, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And once you get that within you, once that's when ingrained within your spirit, then, then you can speak to those that are in upheaval. You can speak to those that are um, at, at, at unrest. You can speak to those that are fearful. You can speak to those that don't have the same blessed hope you have. You can speak to those that don't know him like you know him. And you can give them a word to calm them. See, once you introduce them to your father and your elder brother, then you can explain to them why you're at peace in the midst of the storm, why you are not running around saying, oh, woe is me, and oh, my God, what am I going to do? Why is that? Because surely he will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday a thousand may fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come near you why you will only observe with your eyes to see the punishment of the wicked You will see it with your eyes. Now, do you wish to see it? Mm -mm. No. I I, I just got to interject that in here because I don't want to see you get caught up with the, yeah, that's what you get. You shouldn't have did such and such. And the, the clapping and the rejoicing when your enemy falls. No, 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 no. That's not the heart of God. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God said that he would desire that none would perish that all would come into the saving knowledge of who he is. That is his heart. I will never forget this as long as I live to this day. I can't tell you who the person was or what the situation was. This is a true story, but I will never forget the word that God spoke to me about whatever that situation was. I had gotten to church that evening. I think it was. It had to be like a Wednesday night. It was either a Sunday night or a Wednesday night because at that time we were still having Sunday night service. And something had happened, and something had happened to somebody that did something to me. And I promise you, I really don't even remember what it was, okay? But something had happened, and within my, my spirit, my spirit, I was like, mm-hmm, that's what they get. I was like rejoicing within me because that person – had met something that to me was payback. It was their karma. It should have happened and whatever. Before I could step into the house of God, before I could walk through those doors, the Lord stopped me. Okay. It was like, you will not bring that spirit into my house. He stopped me. And he said, you don't ever 
rejoice in the downfall of somebody else. You do not do that. I'll never forget it. And I was like, <laughs> it was like, okay. He was very stern. See, that I don't know about your relationship with God, but my relationship with him is that uh, I know when the father steps up, <laughs> like, you know, you can be with the Holy Spirit and you and the Holy Spirit is cool and the Holy Spirit is teaching you and you can spend time with Jesus, you know, and you know he's interceding for you and it's all good. But when the father steps up and there's that chastisement, there is that correction or there is that command, you know that's daddy. You you know, okay. It's like they're uh uh-uh, uh no mm, stop <laughs> okay, stop. Whatever it is that you thought you were getting ready to do, whatever it is that you thought was okay, God said, eh, no, stop. And at that very moment, trust me, believe me, you gonna stop. If you got half a brain, <laughs> half a brain, you're going to stop. Because what you don't want is for daddy to whoop you. Chastising you is one thing. He can tell you right or wrong. You want to hear it. You want to listen. And and so when he speaks to me in that manner, I never forget it. I never forget it. Because it is like, okay, this is life altering here. This could this could go really bad if I don't really, really hearken and hear what he's saying, if I don't really believe what he's telling me, if I don't really live out what he is saying to me, if I am disobedient to the directive that he's given me, this could be really bad. This could be really bad. And so I know my father to the point of understanding and recognizing that. I know him just that well. So this was one of those daddy moments when daddy stepped up and said, don't you ever do that. And it was just like, okay. And this was that, and hear me, because this was internal. I hadn't spoke it. I hadn't said that's what they get outwardly, audibly, but I thought it. And as I thought it, he stopped me. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. I'm like, okay. Learned a valuable lesson that day, a valuable lesson. So, you know, I'm passing it on so that you understand we have got to be the answer. The state of the church needs to get themselves together. I, I see it. I'm on Facebook a lot, okay? But most of my my uh, pursuance on Facebook is either posting for ministry or um, doing trainings or what have you. I have a couple of organizations that I'm involved with, and they have um, groups on Facebook, and that's how they communicate with us. And so, you know, I'm not, I, 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 I really, if you went through all of my pages on Facebook for however many years I've been on there, and it's been a while, uh, you will find out of all the years, and maybe it's been nine, ten years, something like that, that I've been on there, you will find very, very, very few posts that are political in nature because I don't do that. I, I, don't, I don't get into that debate going back and forth and whatever. If you see anything, it's normally saying we better get a grip and pray. Get a grip and pray. Um, I, I, find, I can find fault. Let me put it this way. I can every individual that has ever held the office of president. It's easy, okay, because there is no perfect man. There is no perfect man. There have been policies that every one of them have voted for that I agree with and that I disagree with, every single one of them, every single one of them. There is not one that you're going to find that you're going to agree or disagree with everything that they do, not in all honesty. So it's not about exhorting the man. It's about, okay, God, where are you in the midst of this? How do I deal with this and be obedient unto you and what your will and what your call is upon these situations? That's where our head has to be. So the state of the church has to transition to a place of authority instead of letting the state of the nation be our authority. That is the problem. We're looking at that that person 
that's in that White House and not looking at that person that's in the heavenly house, the supreme being who is over that person that's in the White House. We have got to get it together. We are literally tearing each other down, tearing each other apart because of what some man said or did. That really and truly should never be. (laughs) Never should never be. And it's it's really, it's crazy. It is crazy to see and recognize that we no longer have any um, reverence for each other. The fact that we, that God gave us a freedom of choice and I can choose to disagree with you. I don't have to hate you because I disagree with you. I can choose to disagree with you. Now, whether you like my choice of disagreeing with you or not, I don't really care, but I've been given the choice to disagree. I've been given that right the same way you have. So if I want you to respect my right to disagree, then I've got to respect your right to disagree, and we can agree to disagree. But it is so unfortunate that we're now living in a society that has lost the ability to agree to disagree. Now it's like bullets and gun smoke. If you don't believe what I believe, I got to kill you. Where'd that come from? You know, here's, here's my thought. I say this all the time. It is what it is. My feeling behind it is what it is, is that what it is, is your prerogative and your ability and your right, because God placed it within you to make a choice. I will never argue with you on that. I will come against that ever. You have the right to make a choice. It is not a right I gave you. It is not a right the Declaration of Independence gave you. It is a God-given right from your conception as the entity of being a human being. God placed that within you. So I will never come against you about your right to choose. You will always have a right to choose because God gave you the freedom of choice. Now, I may believe that you make the wrong choice. I believe that I've made some wrong choices. No, I don't believe. I know I've made some wrong choices with no doubt about it at all, okay? But there was a flip side, and I grew, and I learned from it, and I would pray that even in your wrong choices, you would somehow get to a place of, Lord, help me, (laughs) help me in my thinking, you know, and then some of you, you know, you may not even believe in God, so therefore, (laughs) you're not going to ask God for help in your thinking, you're just going to go with what you believe and what you feel, and and that's that, well, you you have that prerogative to do that as well, because he's given you a freedom of choice, now, here's what you do not have the, the freedom of, you do not have the freedom of the consequence for your choice. You have the freedom to make the choice. You have the freedom to make the decision. And once you've made that decision and you've made that choice, then it is what it is. And the consequence of that can be catastrophic. Can be catastrophic. Now, there would be an atheist that would argue me that there is no heaven nor hell because they don't believe in a deity. And I, my answer to that is, okay, that's your choice, okay? And if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong in my belief in God, if I'm wrong in my belief that there is absolutely a heaven and absolutely a hell and there is absolutely a judgment, so be it. But here's the consequence of the choice that I've made. I try and treat people with reverence, with respect, I don't feel like I've lost anything by living my life out and walking with God. In fact, my life has been enhanced by his 
presence in it. He has picked me up. He has strengthened me. He has comforted me. He has granted me his joy. He has granted me peace that is unfathomable. He has been my source. He has been my provider. I know in whom I trust. I know what I've experienced in him. I've lost nothing with the life that I've chosen to live in my belief in him. Flip script. If I'm right, (laughs) and those of you that don't believe, and you've lived your life any kind of way, and you've treated people any kind of way, and you could care less how it has affected those around you and what the consequences have been of your actions, if I'm right, then you've got an eternity of hell's fire. So it is what it is. Either way it goes. I think that, you know, the um, odds are better in my favor that even if I leave this earth realm and I don't go anywhere else, (laughs) okay, I've been all right in this earth realm. Think about it. Think about it. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, you know, God so chose you. I, I have to say this. Um, and I share this from time to time. There was a period in time in my life, a long period of time, where I used to say, if I was God, I don't think I would have given a man freedom of choice because, yeah, we'd be jacked up in our choices. But then God made me understand and recognize the reason he gave us a freedom of choice. And he used a carnal act here in the earth realm to exemplify it. He said, anytime love or quote-unquote the the physical attributes of what is supposed to be love is forced upon a person. It is called rape. And it is not enjoyed by both. It is not a commingling of joy and a coming together and two becoming one. It is a forceful, violent act that leaves at least one of the parties broken and distraught and in pain. And sometimes emotionally crippled for life. And he said, that is not the relationship that I want with my family. I want to love you unconditionally. And I wanted you to have the ability to return that love back unto me. Likewise, unconditionally, without force, without tremble, without fear. But I wanted you to be free to choose me, free to love me, free in your obedience to me. And once he explained it to me like that, God, I would have never given us a freedom of choice. I began to fully understand why he did it, why he did it. I had to do a sermonette for school. (laughs) I'm in seminary. And um, the topic that I was given was repentance. And in my studies for repentance, I come to find out that there were three different types of repentance that Noah Webster uh, dealt with. I I just, I want to, let me see if I can pull this up. Because it blew me away. I was not aware of this um, until I did this study, and it and it blew me away. The different, the three different types of repentance. Hold on one second. I'm gonna pull this up because um, because I really I want you to see it. I want you to hear it so that you can fully understand um, the difference. Um, hold on, I'm almost there. Almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Okay. So the first one, repentance. It says, sorrow for anything done or said, the pain or grief which a person experiences in consequence 
of the injury or inconvenience produced by his own contact conduct. I'm sorry. That's basically okay. Saying I'm sorry. That's that's basically what that means. Sorrow for anything done, said, done or said, the pain or grief which a person experienced in consequence of the injury or inconvenience produced by his own conduct. So that's I'm sorry. Okay. In theology, this is the second one. It says, in theology, the pain, regret, or affliction which a person feels on account of his past conduct because it exposes him to punishment. This sorrow, proceeding merely from the fear of punishment, is called legal repentance as being excited by the terrors of legal penalties, and it may exist without an addendment uh, or ad, uh, yeah, addendment of life. So in other words, you're, you're fearful and you're, you're, you're repenting, you're sorry because of the penalties for what it is that you've done. In other words, I repent because I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to repent only, only because I don't, okay? And that's the repentance that most people know about. Now, this third repentance blew my mind, and it put in such proper perspective what God had been speaking to me. It says real repentance, real repentance, sorrow, or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God, a violation of his holy law, and the and the beset ingratitude, I'm sorry, towards a being of infinite benevolence. This is called evangelical repentance and is accompanied by an amendment, uh, yeah, amendment, I'm sorry, of life. In other words, because you are sorrowful, not because you're afraid of going to hell, but because what you did was an offense and it dishonored God. It violated his holy law. It, it was because of your love that you have for him. That love that said, God, I don't ever want to do anything to cause you pain. I don't ever want to do anything to dishonor you. I don't want to shame the family's name. If I stand up and I say that I am a child of God, I want my character to match what it is that I'm saying. If I say that I am a king's kid, that I am a royal, then I want my lifestyle to, to be of that protocol so that there is no question of my character. I don't dishonor the family name. And if I do, then I'm earnestly sorrowful and repentant, not out of fear of the consequence, but because I know I hurt you and I never meant to hurt you. You see the difference? This is the place that God is calling us to get to. This is why he gave us a freedom of choice so that when we walk in his light, when we claim to be his child, when we claim that his covenant rests mightily upon our lives, that his favor is upon us, that we are partakers of his grace and his mercy. He wants when we say these things, when we encounter these things, when we talk about these things, for these things to be coming from our hearts. That it, it, it's truly how we feel. That it is our belief in him that spears us and promotes us and presses us in to the feelings that we have when these situations are occurring. So the state of the church, we've got to get our place, uh, ourselves in, in place. We've got to recognize our identity. We've got to come full spectrum of who we were created in. We were created in the image and the likeness of God Almighty. We were created to show forth his image, his nature, his glory in this earth. He did not put that distinction on not another creature that he created. He only put that distinction 
all night. Just us. Just us. The ones that he's given the freedom of choice. The ones that he has said he loves unconditionally. We cannot assist and help the state of the nation until we can get the state of the church right. Until we can get our hearts right. Until we can get that focus right. Until we can come into right standing with God Almighty. We will never get it together. We were called to be light in darkness, not to fit in. And we're so busy trying to fit in and be like the Joneses that we forgot to be like Christ. We've forgotten it. God has given each of us a platform. Some a larger platform than others, but we each have a platform. My question to you is what will you do with the platform you have been given? What will you do with it? Will you use it to impart influential nuggets into those that you come in contact with? Or will you just use it to pat yourself on the back and pump yourself up? What will you do with the platform that you have been given? Each and every one of us have been given a platform. We have been given a place in which we can speak from. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you using your platform to say? Are you affecting lives? Are you changing the trajectory of somebody's stand? Have you spoken life to somebody? (laughs) You might hear me in the background. I am finding a pen to write that down. Every one of us, every, because this came from the throne room of God, every one of us has been given a platform. What are we doing with the platform we've been given? Yeah, that's powerful right there, I find. I think that's a powerful thing to know. I really, really do. Because when we think of a platform, when we think of being influential, most of us think of of, of celebrities and athletes and politicians and people that, you know, um, people are looking at. But do you not recognize and understand that people are looking at you each and every day from the members of your family to the members on your job to the members in your church to the stranger on the street? What are you doing with the platform that God has been giving you? Facebook Live, Twitter Live. Instagram Live, Periscope. Everybody has a camera now. Everybody has a word. Everybody has a platform. What are you doing with the platform you have been given? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you utilizing it for the betterment? Or are you utilizing it to spew out hate? To be intolerant of others? I don't have to agree with your lifestyle. I don't have to like your lifestyle. I'm not living your life. But what am I showing you? Am I living out a true life in God? Am I living out his divine order to love everybody that I come in contact with? We're almost done with the show. But here's the perfect analogy. And and I can tell you that from my heart, because it's not always about people's lifestyle. Most of the time, if we have animosity in our heart or even hatred, we can go that deep in our heart towards somebody, it's because of something that they did to us. And God does not even allow that to be an excuse for you. Okay? Point. In 2000, in the year 2000, my son-in-law was murdered. Savagely, brutally, leaving behind my daughter, his wife, and three children. Now, 
I can tell you categorically, point blank, without batting an eye, without feeling remorse, I'm going to be honest with you, that I hated the people that did that. And truth be known, if I could have located them, me being me in my flesh would have done something to them. Because you have disrupted and hurt someone dear to me. Okay. My daughter, who acknowledges God, but she's not in ministry. And and here I am, you know, I'm the minister, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm doing all kinds of things. My daughter, we were living in Florida, to the beach one night and released these individuals and came back and told me. She said, Mama, she said, I had to forgive them and let it go. She said, because the evil, vile things that were growing inside of me and the thoughts that I was having, she said, I could not afford to keep doing it, and I had to let them go. I looked at her. I said, baby, I'm so happy for you, and I'm so proud of you. I'm not there yet, though. And I'm serious. I'm being honest. Now, she was the most affected by this because that was her husband. So she was obviously more affected than I was, but she was able to let it go and move on. It took me another six months, another six months. And one morning I was out and I was walking. I was at a park. I'll never forget it. And I was walking early in the morning. And I used to love to walk and pray. And so I'm walking and I'm praying. And God laid it on my heart. He wanted me to pray for those individuals. And I was like, you know, lost your mind, God. He wanted me to pray for their soul salvation. And he was like, I need you to step up and stand in the gap. And I was just like fighting that thing so bad because God knew, though, that I'm not phony. He also knew if he gave me a directive, you know, I may kick and scream a little bit, but I need to be obedient to the voice of God. He had to systematically walk, systematically walk me through forgiving each and every one of them each and every one of them, I think it was like five or six of them, I had to forgive each and every one of them and lift them up to God, praying their soul salvation. But that was his way of allowing me to get me to release what was in my heart. Because you see, when we harbor things like that in our heart, it's not hurting the other person. It's hurting us. It is affecting our relationship with God. It is affecting our walk with God. It is affecting our well-being. It is affecting our emotions. It even affects our physical being because it eats at us. It's like a cancer. It eats at us. So I am encouraging you to get to that place of release of release so that no matter what you feel about anybody in office or in your family or in your sphere of influence, you've got to get to that place of release so you can let it go so that God can bless you and so that you can align yourself as a body of Christ, as a church, to affect and bring light to the nation. I pray this has been a blessing to you today. It's been a little different show for us, but I'm hoping that hopefully it has transcended through the hardships that we are encountering in the natural during this period of time to recognize the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God bless you. Have a great week. All right, for some reason, oh, there we go. Let's keep it real.